0: Angie Coombs, The Waterfall Journey. Episode 5, The Waterfall, Part 3, The Emotional Consequences of the Fall. Before the fall, Adam and Eve had a secure foundation, a secure home, a place of love and belonging and connection. Their experience was of having all their needs fully satisfied within their trusting relationship with Father God. They knew who they were and whose they were. In that place, in the waterfall of God's love, they were filled by him with overflowing love tanks, allowing them to have full and satisfying relationships with each other. The vertical relationship with the Father was the key to deep and perfect harmony between human beings. Adam and Eve in the waterfall of God's love knew that they were absolutely loved. They were at home. They belonged. They lived within a relationship of acceptance and security. They were valued. God wanted to spend time with them and had gone through so much trouble to set them in a place of shared delights. They had worth. God gave them both trust and responsibility and the freedom to act. They had meaning and purpose in their lives as stewards of creation and co-workers with the Father in His purposes. So where did pain come from? God created us all with free will because His life force is, was, and ever shall be, love. Therefore, we as his children have the power to make choices. But the choice made in the garden had a brutal outcome for all of us. Pain entered the world through the fall. The forbidden fruit promised the belief that Adam and Eve would know right from wrong, that they would be able to make their own judgments, order their own world, and live independently of the Father. However, the unlooked-for consequences of disobedience and sin were both immediate and drastic. In chapter 3 of Genesis, the consequences were literally shattering. They were instantly afraid of the Father. Love and trust were replaced by fear and shame. In turn, these previously unknown feelings drove them to new types of reactions. Ashamed, they did what they could to hide their nakedness. Afraid, they ran from and hid from the very source of their life. In anger and guilt, they turned on each other. In a dawning sense of loss, Adam tried to jettison the responsibility for his actions, first on God and then on Eve, and she, immediately shifted the responsibility and blame onto the serpent. The consequences of their actions were unstoppable. Now desolate, each in thirst and in a new isolation, they were evicted from Eden. For sin is sin and it cannot remain in the presence of the Father. The easy, heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit flow of love, harmony and understanding, through which the infilling of their hearts was sustained, was lost, perfection was marred. Thus our image, which required the fullness of the relationship with the Father to flourish, was now destined to be distorted by pain and hardship. Even the environment changed. From this time onward, there would be enmity between the devil and mankind. The very ground became cursed. Thorns and the thistles would now grow where there had been none. Man would now have to toil by the sweat of his brow to eat and survive. Childbirth would be painful for the woman. The extent of the fall of, from grace can be seen in the contrast between chapters one and two of Genesis and chapter four, in which by verse eight, Cain murders his brother, motivated by anger and jealousy. We were born to live in the conditions and the relationships of Genesis 1 and 2. Just as for a fish, our natural life-giving habitat is water. Living in the presence of the Father is where we were created to live. We need the river of water of life which flows from the throne of heaven. After the fall, and cut off from that sustaining, life giving relationship with the Father, we are fish out of water. We're on the riverbank, gasping, thirsting, empty, and it hurts. In desperation, we're driven to where we think we can satisfy our raging thirst. We were created to be surrounded and drenched by love but parents can only give out of what they receive when little and in the fallen world our relationships, circumstances and experiences are never wholly favourable, causing us emotional wounds and as a consequence to live out of the negative messages that we've believed about ourselves. We learn very early in life what strategies work for us and what defences we need to keep ourselves safe. We hide our pain and play out the role that means we survive, so that we're not discovered to be the failures we perceive ourselves to be. We go to our systems. Out of the environment we were created to inhabit, with trust broken and in the throes of the spiritual death caused by the isolation from the Father, the image we were created to be becomes distorted. Our ego becomes God. Man's thinking, feeling and choices are now no longer in tune with the Father's heart. And as disobedience broke trust, there was an immediate fundamental change. The other centeredness of harmony became the I must survive of independence. Thirst for what we have lost drives all our behavior towards our systems. Where we scoop up into our bucket those things which we think will deliver our needs and fill our emptiness. Our deeply buried motivation is to get our needs met at all costs. It is the key to understand that we are all driven to the system where we believe we can be filled with a sense of love and belonging, value and worth, and meaning and purpose. Cut off from the wellspring of life that we read about in John 4, verses 13 to 14. We are alone and isolated, unsure of ourselves, and are wracked by feelings of being less than everyone else. Life seems pointless because we cannot measure up. If we are not connected to the Father as our source, we must meet our needs somewhere. So we all dig our own cisterns, and have different contents in our buckets, but our idols, those things we try to use to fill us, cannot do what God can. For example, one person may get satisfaction and fulfillment from their job as the wholesome outcome of their efforts, but another may judge his worth and sink his identity into the way he experiences his job. On a bad day, he sees himself as a hopeless failure. He's relying on the job and not his heavenly father to fill his life with meaning, value, and worth. His job then has become his idol. A sense of identity thus can be in something, the image we project, or what we think other people think of us. In the effort to keep up appearances, The gap between the part we play on the outside, which we show to the world, and our inner life can get more and more disconnected. We all live out of a place of distortion until healing restores the broken image. Our stories are important. God entrusted each one of us with our own individual walk. He wants to restore us, to lead us to wholeness, and to make those stories matter in kingdom terms. For his purposes, he needs our stories to be redeemed in his own. When we give our life to Christ, God starts the work of transformation. It is the sanctification process. Slice by slice, God will restore us, healing the wounds, unpicking our twisted thinking and aligning us again to his heart. We need to start believing that God loves us right now as we are. We do not have to earn that love. My knowing that God loves me is the game changer. Even if I cannot experience it yet, we need to start by believing what God says about us. God makes us aware of our need for healing by bringing the pain of our inner story to the surface through memories and circumstances, past and present. We can be pleased when this happens, for what he starts, he finishes, and the Holy Spirit is highlighting, here is something I want to heal. Years of journeying have shown that not everyone is willing to let God deal with their pain. It is both part of the blessing and the cost of discipleship. Facing the pain of our inadequacies and wounds, being open to healing, And letting go of the past we reach out to the freedom and the wholeness that Jesus died to give us. When we come into the waterfall the process can speed up because the Holy Spirit will teach us how to cooperate with him in our healing and equipping. For it is with the comfort we receive that we will comfort others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4. We find the years the locusts have eaten are restored as we minister out of the transformed experiences we've been through and see the hard things in our lives become the treasures of the kingdom. Now we're working with God and not for ourselves. Now God can really do business with us. Jesus is the way to restoration and restoration needs awareness Repentance and change. In Jeremiah 2 verse 13 God names the two sins that cut us off from him. Firstly turning our back on all he is and offers us and secondly by our own efforts trying to replace what we should draw from him. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. When we are cut off from the presence of the Father by our sin, we have Jesus. Wonderfully, God provided the sacrifice to pay the price for us. Jesus died taking the penalty for our sin, that we might be cleansed and forgiven, and be able to return to the fullness of the relationship with the Father that we were created to enjoy. When we have the self-awareness to understand our inner story, we can see our independence. We begin to see sin is not just about robbing a bank, but every belief and attitude that is not aligned to the nature and the Word of God. Awareness, repentance and forgiveness are needed continually as we are journeying to transformation. The way is not only the pathway to our inner restoration but it will lead us on to holiness if we are willing to let the Holy Spirit minister to the pain within us. The good news is that when we were born again God starts offering us restoration. When we come into the waterfall abiding in God's presence the healing can be speeded up as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in a growing awareness of what he is doing As He deals with our pain and brokenness, wholeness and freedom beckon. In addition, the Holy Spirit is also honing and equipping us for the way we will be used. In this way we will find that every event and tear in our story, once transformed, will add to the resources of the Kingdom. The waterfall is only ever a step away becoming aware of our sin and independence, seeing the need to repent, we can come through the cross of Jesus Christ and step back into the presence of the Father. There as we offer ourselves to the Holy Spirit's ministration into our hearts and learn to cooperate with Him, He in turn will use us to reach out to others. There is a clear choice of where we stand to live our lives either outside the place of abiding, thirsty because the leaking dregs from a broken system do not sustain us, or in the full flow of the river of water of life, cascading in and through us. The waterfall is the presence of the Father, where we trust God for every aspect of our lives, and our true identity rests in God, where we are who He says we are. In the next episode, we are going to explore ways of experiencing the reality of living in the Father's presence in the waterfall. This is where life changes. God wants you to know how real He is. It will reframe your life. To begin my journey, I wrote a prayer that I would repeat each morning, to consciously place myself into the Father's presence, as I wanted to abide where Jesus walked. This is my daily prayer. I choose to live this day in the waterfall of your love that I might be led by the Holy Spirit on the way of holiness, following the footsteps of Jesus and in the presence of the Father to the fulfillment of your divine purpose. Enable me, Lord, to learn and grow in you today. Amen. And with that intention, I knew I was home. Join me next time to explore the ways you too can walk each day with a living God.